0: Welcome to the Make an After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Make an After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, Division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. Today is our second episode in our series regarding interacting with youth during this digital age. According to Sonya Livingston, with the London School of Economics and Political Science, research has determined that the more technologically literate children become, the more likely they will learn skills which empowers them to avoid the numerous online risks. Skills such as increased understanding of digital safety, the ability to analyze critically data to tell the difference between actual and false information, as well as the ability to secure resources to help them achieve their goals. Unfortunately, as digital skills develop with youth, inequalities persist due to social economic status, age, and to a lesser degree, gender, to develop the appropriate technological skill set for youth from every age group, gender, and socioeconomic class. One organization facilitating workshops and providing presentations on technology safety and privacy is the White Hatter. The White Hatter Provide resources to support schools, families, businesses, charities, and not-for-profit organizations with the goal of helping them address challenges in a digital world. They provide an array of free resources, including news updates, podcasts, blogs, articles, and guides. To speak on the work of the White Hatter is Brandon Laurel. Brandon has worked with the White Hatter for over 12 years. Since that time, he has developed the White Hatter's production studio and the subsequent YouTube channel, live streams, and webinar platforms. Additionally, Brandon facilitates educational programs designed for students of all ages, parents, teachers, and business professionals on the topics of privacy, security, digital literacy, and online digital intelligence gathering. Brandon's real-world experience using social media and the internet has played a major role in the growth of all internet and social media safety programs offered by the White Hatter. Random, welcome to the Make an After School Cool podcast. I'm so excited to have you as a guest today. Tell me what motivated the creation of the White Hatter? Uh, it's a very unique name. Uh, but what motivated you to start this initiative and what type of services do you offer?
1: Yeah, so we've been in business now for uh, 30 years Uh, in the early days. It's a family business. It was started by my parents, actually. And now I've graduated to be the CEO of the organization. Um, So back in the early days, my father, who has a background in policing, uh, as part of a public initiative to kind of teach people about safety in general, Uh, how to stay safe out in the public, using his background there. But around 2005, 2008-ish, with the growth of the internet, and with me as a teen, I had a big interest in computers, how they work, how to break them apart, how to find vulnerabilities in them. So my father had developed these years of skills of public presentations and then i was developing all these tech skills and we realized hey there's a huge need to also teach the public about how to stay safe and private on the internet so uh as a teen i was helping my father who was professionally presenting provide him the technical information about computers and then he would present that in a presentation format and then once i graduated high school and college university and all that stuff and now i'm also a full-fledged full-time presenter as well so that's how we started what we teach and both our unique name part of our branding is when we present to students we want to make sure we make an impact and uh, we would wear these big, giant white hats when we present to, uh, to schools. It's, it's, it's a it's a symbol. It's, it's a branding thing. And um, we never actually intended for our organization to be branded and trademarked as the White Hatter. Uh, it was actually the students we would present to who came up with that name. Because when you present to a group of students at the end of the presentation, the end of the workshop, the majority of which likely won't remember your actual real name <laughs> there's so much information that your name is like oh who are you i don't know you're that person but what they would always remember is the big giant white hat and there was this one day that uh that we really remember is uh we travel on ferries a lot where we live we live on a on a fairly large island um so to get to most places we have to travel by ferry uh there's <laughs> this one day with a group of students they're on this ferry and we were dressed up in our outfit with a big giant white hat and they said hey you're the um couldn't remember the name but they said you're the white hatter person oh yeah <laughs> and th- that was like the real solidifying moment of going with the brand the white hatter they never remember our name but they always remember the white hat so we took that ran with it and now it's our brand
0: you know that's that's, again it's very unique it is memorable and i think sometimes especially when we're working with young people when you do have that symbol and they can't remember everything but they remember that symbol so if they're in a situation or something comes up and then some of the things you guys have discussed all of a sudden they remember that white hat you know, and it's interesting how like the power of intentions for people who do believe in that. You get yourself into a situation and then out of the blue, you see somebody wearing a white hat. And it's like, then that triggers. This is some things that I can do to respond to, to that that situation. So, yeah, that's very unique. And I applaud you guys for the things that you're doing. And then when you mentioned your um, your relationship with your father, I have two teenage daughters. And I mentioned earlier, my, my mother is technology illiterate, but she loves playing with her phone. And so a lot of times she'll ask my girls and I've actually done this as well. uh, When you get stuck on something or you want to do something and, you know, you can do it with technology, but you're not quite sure how to do it. You know, you ask the next generation and they fill you, they laugh at you at first and then they fill you in. But also thanks to also a connection, you know, in terms of building relationships and stuff like that. Now, you mentioned your presentations. Uh, Who is your target audience? Uh, mostly, we work with schools and students
1: between the grades of 4 to 12. Uh, we also work with some uh, post-secondary students. We work with uh, parents and families. Uh, and we do we do some business work, helping organizations, getting their staff up to speed so an organization or staff members don't get compromised in a digital challenge or hack or virus. But generally, most of our business is with schools, grades... Uh, four to 12 Mm -hmm. and with their parents.
0: Okay. And what are some of the different topics you present, especially with the different groups, since you said four to 12, that's kind of a large group in terms of maturity, in terms of, you know, their access to technology and those kinds of things. So what are some of the subject matter you you talk about?
1: Yeah. Our organization, we, we call ourselves digital literacy specialists. And originally, in the early days of the organization, it was strictly focused on safety and privacy. However, today, it's more digital literacy as a whole. So not just looking at you know how to prevent being hacked and scammed and how to stay private, but also how do you leverage the Internet so that you can achieve the best version of yourself. How can you as an individual use tools to stand out in a very competitive market, to stand out on the internet, to get jobs, to get scholarships, to get other opportunities? Because if you're someone and you're not leveraging the internet to your benefit, your competition might be, whatever that might look like. And... Why, why shouldn't you also have that advantage? So we look at the whole spectrum holistically, both the good and the bad of the Internet. And then with different age groups, we definitely tailor our workshops to be age specific. Uh, certainly the subjects we talk about at high schools are quite a bit different. The elementary schools. Now, our fundamental values stay the same. The examples we present. I mean, at high schools, we talk more about, you know, uh, online harassment. We talk about cyberbullying. We talk about uh, teen sexting challenges. Uh, certainly, the the sexting topic doesn't come in at grade four but we still have some fundamental values we teach we just tailor the examples and the language uh to fit the the age group that we are presenting to
0: well i will say your your work is very needed and extremely timely uh i know i was talking to my my youngest daughter she's a sophomore in high school right now and we're and my oldest is a senior so she's looking at different colleges we've done some college visits and so on And um, the topic of digital footprint, you know, stuff that you put on the the computer, on the internet, on your phone, or so on, or even if you're looking for a part-time job, that stuff is out there. And now companies are becoming very sophisticated with technology. So it becomes this like cyber image of what it is that you're interested in, what is it that you're looking at, uh, all of those kinds of things. And so you want to make sure that stuff that you put out there reflects you in a positive light. And so, yeah, I applaud you for the for the work you're doing. It's extremely timely. Now, I understand that you do uh, some of your stuff in, on social media, uh, and a lot of your products, they're fee-based. Do you offer any free resources?
1: Yeah, so uh, our website, thewhitehatter.ca, is our landing spot. We have our blogs. We have a full parent podcast. We have a, a digital parent web book, which is completely free. Uh, it's only supported by donations. And we've been keeping that going for oh, well over, I think, six years now, if not longer. Um, and then we're also investing more in our visual resources. So over the last five years, we've been investing in our virtual broadcasting studio that we use to present to schools uh, at a high quality hd level but we are also using that same technology to create youtube videos that are high quality that people want to go to and learn if there's one thing we've seen just as the public over the last 10 years uh, someone wants to learn something they typically don't book a Zoom meeting or go buy a self-help book, most people, they want to learn how to fix a sync or learn how to change something on their computer, you go to YouTube. <laughs> you you watch, a, watch a YouTube guide step-by-step step how to do what you want to do. And so we understand that this is the modern way how people want to learn and access information. So... Why not invest in that technology and provide resources there? So, um, yeah, oh uh, yeah, we we do have a fee for cost as we present to the schools, uh, but afterwards we give them access to all these resources that we've uh, put time and effort into creating.
0: Right, great. Well, I know social media and other forms of technology has its advantages, but there also exists negative aspects concerning you know using this type of format. What should parents, school staff, after-school practitioners, and even peers be on the lookout to keep their friends safe?
1: Yeah, for us, it's about the level of access individual users allow the public to see about them. In my experience, the more public you are, the greater chances there would be that someone may message you, say something, or send something to you that you may not appreciate if you limit and curate your social network what you share publicly to your more closer friend groups your community groups the people who you know face to face uh, the less chance you're going to come across some challenges now not to say bad things don't happen within close friend groups they certainly do but it's just limiting the amount of access just any random person anywhere around the world uh see about you that's my first step and we talk about that even at the earliest ages of grade four (laughs) you know making sure you keep your network close but if you're a young person and you have a plan for your future there's nothing wrong with being public on the internet if it's being curated if it's being monitored if it's being you're using social media in a professional way rather than putting all your personal stuff public keep your personal locked away in your private social network keep your professional stuff public show the best version of yourself
0: That is some awesome advice um now i know you offer some services virtually uh and in person or do you do a combination of both and if people want to get access to your products what's the best step for them to follow
1: yeah so <laughs> and the, we still do in persons uh we've been doing that for the lap for 30 years now as an organization going to schools going to community groups and providing them information to make sure they stay safe and achieve the best version of themselves but you know in the last five years we've been going a lot more virtually we will broadcast into classrooms and it's just a financial benefit for schools as well it's it's much easier for us to broadcast into two schools same time or five different classrooms and there's no travel cost and there's so much more you can do visually using technology and cameras that you can do face to face so we do do both but most of our clients now are opting for virtual live broadcasting and if that doesn't work often a lot of our live broadcasts we also have video on demand services so it's think of it like a like a movie rental in a way where we have our programs they've been pre-recorded they've been edited so they're the best versions of our live broadcasts and they're trimmed down and edited to be rented for classroom schools and families so I guess we have three tiers of services we do in person we do live virtual broadcasting or we do video on demand and definitely the the digital is getting a lot more popular
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you say this because I know uh, even what I'm doing with this podcast, we've had it, uh, let's see, uh, about three years or so. We started right a little bit before uh, COVID broke out. And then when uh, you know COVID happened, our uh, offices were closed. Everybody were, was at home, but I was able to still do some uh, interviews. I was in my uh, closet, you know, to try to keep the, the sound good and all that kind of stuff. But of course, with Zoom and other technology, just just like you and I, we're we're communicating now, and we're far apart. So prior to COVID, I would have people coming in and into uh, our studio. We had a, a podcast studio. But post-COVID, I found out it's very more convenient. The number of people that I can talk to who are all over the place, who have expertise in certain fields, guest list has just made it so much so much uh, bigger. So kind of like what you're saying with, you know, technology as things have shifted, uh, there's a lot of great things that, that you can do. It definitely has expanded some things. But I do wanna ask you this, cause you mentioned uh, y'all been doing some form of this service for the last 30 years. Have you noticed a big change in technology? Have you noticed the way students may be using, you know, digital formats? Have that changed drastically over the, the last 30 years?
1: not maybe not so much how the students are using it but more how the platforms have changed uh, students are using t- social technology to engage in the same social behavior they have since 2008 what's changed though is in the early days of social media a lot of the conversations that young people were having online were more in a public forum in a public forum uh, in a public Facebook groups and public comments. Now there's a trend where online communications are either more private, more encrypted and more, uh, direct where in the early days, you'd have a public Facebook group today. You might have a private Snapchat group which does make it harder for people on the outside to see what it is that you're talking about which in my opinion is probably the better way to go and i think a lot of students today have realized that why would i talk to my friends in a public place where i can just have a private snapchat group chat where parents and other family members can't see that and there's pros and cons to that as well because parent involvement is really important for young people's safety and privacy and online development but at the same time you don't want young people sharing all their personal private stuff to the millions and millions and millions of people around the world so it's a careful balancing act there uh, for families
0: you know, it's interesting also, as you said, you know, you were a teen while your dad was doing, you know, his thing, making presentations and so forth. I know for um, for me, for example, there's a generation gap between myself and my parents. But a lot of that was just the fact that society's changed a little bit. And so I had more opportunities than they did. Uh, but then when I look at my kids, the, the gap is not so much generational, it's technological. You know, the way they understand things, the way they see things, it's like immediate. And so I think we're slowly starting to get uh, more educators who've, a big part of their life has been with with technology. And so they understand it a lot better, whereas your older educators who are getting closer to retirement age, the technology gap is uh, is still there. So, again, I applaud you and uh, your father and the white hatters on what you're doing because I think it's a very, very valuable resource, not only for students, but I'm sure for a lot of the educators and professionals who are working with this whole new digital world we, we all live in.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you mentioned you in, in your paradigm shift with podcasting and due to COVID and with with us in COVID, we we've had the studio now for what, five, maybe six years? So prior to COVID, we we had the studio, same quality, same technology, and it was hard to get schools and community groups to really opt in. To have virtual presentations because there was there, there, there there's this mentality that Oh, a virtual presentation can can't be as good as an in person presentation and when COVID happened, we were very well established so we basically we, we were we were operating at the same close to the same level in COVID as we're out of COVID, because we were already prepared to do everything virtually. Now as schools and in-person presentations are now back being a thing, a lot of our clients are not switching back to in-persons. They're keeping the virtuals just because if you can do virtual right using sound effects, using visual effects, we have like seven cameras here, different angles. If you can make it much more appealing, then it can be far superior than in-person presentations. And, and it, it took COVID for schools and community groups to realize that for us to prove to them that, Hey, no, this is something special. Um yeah now most of our business is all in person i mean i did a i did a presentation to a to a uh, to a school in thailand prior to um uh the the summer mm-hmm. and that wouldn't happen because the travel costs from north america to thailand just be well a lot yeah. so <laughs> we're we are reaching more schools more families more communities than ever before all because of technology. And so people sharing that, you know, technology is bad, 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 bad. Well, like any tool, it can be bad, but it can also be really good. It's how you use it that's most important above all else.
0: And I think, you know, as long as people stress that part and not be so afraid of it, then I think it's it's definitely an asset. And, you know, one thing that is interesting is you guys were a little bit ahead of the game. The fact that you had prepared for everything, then all of a sudden COVID happened, and there is this paradigm shift that existed to where we're like, you know, there's things we could do virtually. Uh, you had your format already set up, and so that was that was really ingenious. And it, and I'm even like learning from my kids, and uh, now I look at it as they start doing things and start creating certain certain things that they're actually preparing for a world that may not fully exist right now. But the fact that they're doing it the way the instruments and the vehicles and the technology that we have, they're actually learning those skills. And so uh, my my daughter, who's a senior, I tell her all the time that she's thinking about what her major is and she's not 100% sure what she wants to do. I said, just make sure you prepare yourself for something that may not exist right now. So, you know, don't stress out on, you know, being that traditional doctor, nurse, you know, those kinds of professions. Uh, The world's changing extremely rapidly
1: yeah i think ai is the one that's really pushing that i mean <laughs> we're seeing professions being uh being replaced and you know you, you have you have teen well not teens but young adults today at post-secondary learning a bit, what almost three years into their degree and now in the last year you have chat gpt and other ai programs that's scary for them because right. the three years they've invested now it's like oh well it can all be replaced potentially. Yeah. We're, we're not, maybe not quite there yet to complete AI automation of everything, uh, but it's only getting more powerful every day. So being on the forefront, I think, is very important. And I think I, you know, being a being a teen in the early two thousands <laughs> definitely helped because I saw a lot of industries replaced, or um, I, I think. <laughs> of the beauty makeup industry, where there used to be self-help books and such, but now uh, vloggers and beauty makeup artists on YouTube have completely changed the industry. So... Like, I think that was one of my motivations for getting our organization on social media, on YouTube, doing virtual presentations, because I saw what happened to all these other industries. And it's only going to happen more and more. So I want to make sure that we're prepared uh, strategically so that we can provide information to folks in the way they want to perceive
0: it. Right, right. Um, before we end this, this episode, do you have any, fi- uh, any final comments you'd like to share?
1: yeah for for families and parents especially who might be listening uh, i think the best Maybe advice you that I can cool. give from what i've seen with parents across north america is being involved in your child's digital experience whatever that may be they're playing games doing homework talking with friends being a part of that and being present and being encouraging about it uh in my experience those young people because we've been doing this work now for 30 years ever since 20 2008. We've seen teens in 2008 who are now parents themselves today who have reflected that, hey, that their parental involvement when they were teens and their parents, uh, made the difference and helped them make the better choices and leverage technology for the better. So, We've seen it. We teach it for parents. Just get involved and be present and be your child's best advocate.
0: Some excellent, excellent advice. Well, I appreciate you taking some time today, being flexible. You know, the morning has been a little unpredictable at least on my end so i really appreciate you uh taking some time and i'll probably don't be surprised if I follow-up with you you know towards maybe the summer or um, the beginning of next school year i mean i like the fact that you know school's getting started families are kind of shifting and always getting some information that can keep you kind of on the forefront when these shifts happen. And so like when kids are out of school, what are some things that, you know, parents should be on the lookout for and so on. So again, I appreciate for what you're doing and I applaud y'all for the work that you're doing.
1: Maybe after school, cool.
0: As always, I want to thank our listeners for joining me today. As we continue our series focusing on living with youth in a digital age, Please join me for future episodes as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.